Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. We have something exciting. Chris Simbroski is with us today. Chris, a data engineer and longtime space enthusiast who once worked as a counselor at a space camp in Alabama, was one of four private citizens on Inspirations for SpaceX fully commercial crewed mission that spent nearly three days in Earth orbit last September. The crew launched on SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket inside a Dragon capsule, the same type of spacecraft used to fly two astronauts to the International Space Station on Demo 2, the first private crewed mission in history. The flight was purchased by payment processing industry billionaire Jared Isaacman as a way to raise money for the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. <laughs> Talk about kicking up your uh, fundraising activities there a notch, kind of fundraising on steroids with that one. Well, when completed, the effort did indeed raise over $200 million for the Children's Hospital. Let's talk to Chris. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Mary. Glad to be here speaking with you today. Well, thanks for coming in. So it's just going to be such a great show for our listeners. Um, so first of all, it was reported that there were approximately 72,000 applicants wishing to go into space. How'd you get this chance of a lifetime? Oh my gosh. I think I, it was very much just by chance. I was watching the Super Bowl last year, which still hasn't been a year yet. Um, maybe it is by the time you're listening to this podcast, but it was just about a year ago uh, when an ad came up saying you could win a trip to space, donate to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and, uh, and take a chance on getting, going into space. And my wife's sitting on one side of the couch and I'm sitting on the opposite side. And my background being I love space. I love rockets. I've been a counselor at space camp. My wife knows I'm a space geek. I mean, you should see some of the things that I've you know, that was one of my pickup lines. To, to, <laughs> I introduced myself to my wife. Like, have you seen the shuttle launch today? Uh, oh, gosh. That, um, not recommended, but somehow it worked. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I donated to uh, St. Jude and completely forgot about it the next day. Um, yeah, just thought that was a neat little thing to do. Um, I ended up losing the sweepstakes, but a good friend of mine, Kyle, uh, was chosen as the winner and unfortunately he couldn't accept the prize and uh told jared isaacman and kid poteet the mission director that uh, he wanted to uh give it to his friend chris instead he didn't bother to tell me this by the way so it was a complete surprise yeah oh, wow. uh, one sunday morning i get on a zoom call with jared and kid and next thing i know my friend kyle shows up on there um, and it was great to see him. Oh. And next thing I know, the two of them are telling me that uh, Kyle won the inspiration for sweepstakes and has generously given his seat to you. And so welcome aboard the crew of Inspiration 4. Wow. 
Yes. And I just sat there in stunned silence yeah. in such a way. And I was just in utter shock to the point where I think they thought the Internet had dropped <laughs> staring into the camera. Oh, that's funny. Wow. What a moment. I mean, that even gives me goosebumps. And I wasn't even the person chosen. That that had to be something. Whoa. Absolutely. So so. And even trying for this, tell me, what do you think is the mystical lure that makes people want to go into the unknown? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think there has been this constant drive for humanity to explore the unknown. You you think about, um, you know, a couple hundred years ago as as uh, people started exploring uh, the, the far frontier of the West, um, there's always been this drive to go to the highest peaks of Everest or to travel to the poles to visit the North Pole and to brave Antarctica to get to the South Pole. And those expeditions have always been an explorer's lure to go and find and see what could possibly be there. Um, and space is, pardon the pun, it's the final frontier. It's the one that uh, is out there that draws us in. Anyone can look up at the night sky and see the stars and you can see the moon, you can see the planets and with just a little bit of magnification, whether through large binoculars, you can start to see clusters and galaxies like the Andromeda galaxies, fairly easy to spot. And it's just filled with wonder. Um, you start to imagine possibilities. And so it's calling for us to come out and visit and explore. And it is something that just captures the imagination. You see it through all the movies and television shows that started really promoting space in the 60s, along with, you know, when, when NASA was pushing the Mercury program. And we here we have these flashy, silver-suited astronauts yeah. that are going to be <laughs> braving these rides on these new and experimental rockets. Um, it really just captures the imagination in a way that no other frontier can. So so it sounds like your wife was behind this, but I'm wondering, what did your family say about the decision to go? Oh, my goodness. I uh, So I have two daughters, and the youngest one being three, you know, she was all excited when she got her own space suit, which is really just oh. you know, a onesie that's pajamas, and then she has a little plastic <laughs> helmet. She'll run around the house and say, Dad, why didn't you take me to space with you? I've got my space suit. Um <laughs> Uh, my oldest thought it was really cool. She's 10. And uh, uh, that's like, wow, that's pretty neat. Um, my wife and I had a very different discussion. And it's it's a it's a very, um, it's, it's not an easy thing to see your loved one uh, get blasted off on a rocket into mm -hmm. the unknown. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, my wife has been incredibly, my wife Erin, she's been amazing this entire year. Um, and she's been incredibly supportive, uh, and taking care of the family, the house and the girls, she ended up taking a leave of absence so that she could focus on that, um, and process this whole adventure and understand what it's going to mean, um, for us as a family, um, to our girls individually, to her. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you're setting up your, your family for an experience that's very much like sending a loved one off on a military deployment. Uh, and so you go through those same emotions, that same processes. Uh, you go through that preparation period of lead up to the event. And so, it, you know, it's going, my flight into space is exciting to me and in an, event, an adventure of a lifetime. 
um, if things go wrong and and there's something that you know takes me out of the equation, uh, it really is left behind. I mean, or the people you leave behind are, are your family, and so all the burden of raising two girls, you know, and and taking care of moving on, and, you know, that that would fall on her. So those are different types of things that we had to think about and talk through uh, and plan for, you know, and in as we went through this whole journey of, of, of going to, into space. Mm-hmm. That's what I wondered, how you even dealt with that worst case scenario that, um, yeah. you know, because it is, it, it does fall on that person, but my goodness, she must be an amazing woman to say, go ahead and go anyway. Uh, she's an incredibly strong person. And I think that no matter who it is, whoever is uh, spouse is going up, it, you have to be, strong and know that this person is absolutely in love with this idea and i mean i was absolutely in love with the idea of going to space there was there's no i no way you can turn down a trip like that um especially when you have a the kind of passion that i that i've built over the years mm-hmm. or the things that i've tried to help pursue um and you know my love for rockets and and all those types of things uh, it's there's no way that i could turn it down and she knew this and it's like that's this is something that we have to make happen for you. Did you and, did you used to do the Estes rockets when you were a little boy? Oh my goodness. My I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad got me into that and I promptly, promptly lost my first one in a tree somewhere. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? Right. <laughs> my yeah. husband and his brother John are very into that and they used to be as kids and uh and my husband still does it to this day, so maybe he'll go to space one day. Who knows? Hey, it could happen, yeah. But, you yeah, know, stranger that, things, that, right? Right. I mean, that was one of the fun things of working at space camp is that every week uh, with a new group of campers, you everyone got to build their own Estes rocket, their own model rocket, and uh, and see how it performed um, on, the, on the launch field. And it's – everyone gets excited – every single time that another rocket's ready to go and no matter how many times you are counting down five, four, three, two, one, mm. the entire group is shouting at the top of their lungs. Mm-hmm. Those, those final numbers mm-hmm. before the button is pushed. <laughs> Always exciting. Now, just one more question about your family. So yeah. are you a hero to them now? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I know my wife's a hero to me uh, for, or doing through all going through all this, um, I, I I hope and strive to earn that 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 honor and that respect from my kids every day. It's mm-hmm. it's not something you can just say one event, check that box, and you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and, you know, it's I'll feel like a hero to them knowing that I've raised two beautiful and a talented, intelligent mm-hmm. young women mm-hmm. who are successful. Um, and I, I think that's that's really where it goes. Wow, you have a great personality and uh, heart. I can tell this is uh, this is really something. And you know, you see those those statements a lot about who's the hero. It's the it's the it's the dad that shows up at the recital and takes their kid to school and does all the mundane kind of things. But that's you know that's our true hero. So let me go on to some other questions now. Um, there had to be some fear for you. Tell us about your fears in this endeavor. You know, for me, being, oh gosh, I, I get that question sometimes, and I think about what was actually scary for me. And I think at the very beginning, it was 
a fear that this wasn't real. Um, that went away fairly quickly uh, once I <laughs> once I met everybody in part, that was part of the team and uh, walked into to the doors of SpaceX there in Hawthorne, California. Um, but I think another fear of mine was, am I going to make it? Am I going to qualify? Uh, am I going to pass all the tests to be able to go be a part of this mission? Because um, it's a serious business of going to space and everything that we've learned in the past. I mean, I mentioned earlier, we've got these Mercury astronauts, these Apollo astronauts, these shuttle astronauts. Mm. We have current day astronauts that are training to go to the moon and to Mars, and they are selected from pools of thousands and they get the top, top percentage of people that are physically perfect. They have these advanced degrees. They have all these extracurricular um, items on their resume. And I kept thinking, am I going to measure up? How do I make sure I earn this? Um, and at, at a minimum, don't get disqualified. And so that was a fear the whole time until we really started to understand that you know, it's not necessarily uh, the past anymore. We're pushing forward to a new era of human spaceflight where it's not how do we whittle the pool down to a select few, but how do we allow more people to go and find ways to accommodate uh, different circumstances and people with different abilities uh, to be able to have the experience of going to space. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit more lightheartedly, I, I mean, I, knowing everything that's happened with the space shuttle launches and earlier space programs, I know that there is a lot of safety built into the Falcon 9 rocket from SpaceX and into the Dragon spacecraft. Um, that has not existed before. And so I know the risk is substantially reduced. Uh, and so that had launching or reentry really wasn't a fear of mine. But I, you know, when I say lightheartedly, I mean, the scariest part, honestly, for the entire mission was where I committed myself to playing the ukulele and singing in space in front of my crew members. And <laughs> stage fright, even in space, is real. <laughs> That's funny. So, so speaking about your crew members, um, any kinds of, you know, you all seem to get along pretty well, but was there any interaction that needed to be addressed, like questioning decisions, personality scratches, something you would have done differently, anything like that going on up there? Well, what's pretty great about the way things were set up at the very beginning is that Jared really uh, set us up to have the mentality that we're going to go in this process and go into training with the idea that one, we all individually and as a group, as a crew need to earn this. Um, and that as he relied a lot on his um, aviation experience when it comes to uh, demonstration flying and flying as part of a, um, a, a with Draken or excuse me, Draken and with you know the Black Diamond Jet team, where you do your pre-brief at the beginning before you actually get into what your activity is. And then at the end of it, you always come back and do a debrief at the end. And that's where you stay humble and you bring up things that you have concerns from the other crew members, what could have been different, what you could have done um, better, um, things they did well, and even critiquing yourself. And we would do that every day um, after a day of training and talk about what went well, and we would all stay humble and really acknowledge things that um, we could do better, even if it was small or minute. And so 
the entire time we were going through training and even in during the flight, it was staying humble and staying supportive of one another and understanding that we are absolutely in this together and that our success and our survival, if need be, is going to rely on each one of us um, performing to the best of our abilities and doing our jobs um, and supporting one another and stepping in when the opportunity uh, calls for it. So communication, you know, it always comes down to communication. It's just key in any kind of project right. or, uh, you know, any anything you're going after, communication is key. Because even if there are problems, you talk it out and you realize, oh, he did it for this reason or that reason or whatever. So communication really matters, especially, Absolutely. let me ask you this, in that tiny little capsule, what was that <laughs> like? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I, that was one interesting part about this journey is that we, we did a 30-hour long simulation in a, in a capsule on the ground, uh, which is a lot different than doing three days in space. The amount of space you can occupy is much smaller when you have gravity, you know, forcing you to use the floor or be stay in your seats. But as soon as you get into space and you can float around to different parts of the capsule, you have so much more volume, so many different places you can escape to and, and float around into that, you know, you can have a little bit of space away from one another. But, you know, we I think we all really did mesh really well as a crew. And if there was a moment where we needed a, a bit of a break or a bit of a moment, we all were able to be accommodating. Um, we did find that music you know, playing it on our iPhones or on the iPads makes a great deal of difference for mood and really helps things out. So, you know, we had our own Spotify playlists that we brought up with us. Um, and that, that all those different types of things, we were really concerned about how each other were performing and how we, each other were feeling. And we checked in and uh, yeah, if you need a little space, there's, you know, we, there, there are corners here and there you can sneak into. You can find space in space. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Okay, so now let me ask you this, and this is kind of a side thing. We mentioned about other people going up. Just, just yes or no on this one um, for for time considerations. But I know you went through a lot of training, and when we talk about more civilians just going into space as a routine, and and some. Folks have already followed in your footsteps. Training, I mean, is everyone going to have to train to some extent to make this trip into space? Yes, uh, I would say yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, there are just certain safety procedures that you want to be able to perform in the case where the automation fails or there's a, an emergency circumstance where you need to train to make sure that you can compensate for where the automation or something has broken that was unexpected. Or even if it's a crew member that has um, taken a turn for the worse, you want to be able to have a little bit of training that helps you prepare for the unexpected yet potential. And then again, talking about tourists going into space, um, you know, there's some folks who don't see the need in a space program at all, let alone tourists going to space. You know, I, I'm sure you heard Prince William say it, he has environmental concerns about tourists just traveling into space. So how do you explain the worth of these civilian trips? Right. Well, there's, there are, there are a lot of different ways you can, you can look at different things and talk about what space 
does for humanity. I think that um, yeah, I know that there's a lot of talk about greenhouse greenhouse gas emissions um, uh, from rockets. I think just as we're seeing with airlines and cars, you're going to see a massive reduction over time as more um, advances are made in rocket engines. But I also know that we still struggle with airliners and every day spewing out more tons of carbon dioxide or carbon than um, than a single rocket launch does. I, I don't think that's a really worthwhile argument there. I may also know that in particular, Elon Musk is, has his company Tesla and he's done a lot of other different things and has even pushed out initiatives for um, uh, for carbon reduction as an Inseri X Prize. Um, and so there, there are so many different things you have to take into account. Like, yes, this company is doing a lot of launches into space, but the owner is also doing so much more for humanity to help reduce the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. Uh, and I think going into space, just why is it worthwhile? I, I that, What I used to say at Space Camp is for every dollar we put into NASA, it would put $7 into the economy for all the spinoffs that um, came out of it. And I think as we open up space, and it's not just for tourists, and I know a lot of the stuff that we did in our mission was meant to advance um, the possibility of more people being able to go, but it's also trialing out different technologies that will help others that are in remote areas when it comes to emergency medicine um, and that when you don't have access to the same resources. Um, if you're out in the wilderness, um, there, it's just incredibly amount of technology that can be brought back to be used for good here on earth as we go and explore out um, into the stars. I, I think the amount of inspiration you see and feel when you have that overview effect, um, which is you know, when you get up above the atmosphere and look back down at earth, it, it's a well-known phenomenon of the overview effect of how it can shift one's thinking of what our place is here in the universe and how we get along with each other here back on the planet. Uh, it's something very much worthwhile, but it's also an inspiration to many people when it comes to the possibilities of what we could do with space resources or what if we could actually get a lot of people out to Mars and establish a colony or a base out there. It doesn't seem as far-fetched when you really start talking about the plans that some folks like Elon and others have laid out. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it there's it also I will also say that coming back from this whole experience I haven't seen kids be more excited to talk about getting involved with science and technology and math and well all those types of STEM careers than after I've spoken to them about what it was like to go to space I know that personally for my daughter she told my wife this is my paradise when she saw um, because the manufacturing floor of SpaceX and saw uh, a mixture of men and women and she could see herself um, in these other people that were building these rockets and designing um, new things with technology. Uh, and it really was inspiring to her to kind of continue to pursue her dreams of uh, uh, through engineering and science. 
Okay, so as you can see, I'm not the reporter that asks the usual questions. So I'm no. going to come <laughs> at you with some Please. some out there things. I'm hoping I catch a few. Maybe you haven't been asked before, but um, but but we're running tight on time. So just maybe quick replies to these. Like I'm going to throw a couple at you, starting with the whole bathroom thing. <laughs> it was a challenge. I think we found out uh, that we became a part of the uh, not so exclusive club of uh, space shovelers that have had to work with um, troublesome plumbing issues. Um, but uh, the great thing is that it didn't detract from our mission. We were able to continue on uh, without it being uh, a, a distraction from what our main goals were. How tasty was the food? I tell you what, cold pizza, I could eat that every day. Okay. Um, <laughs> so could I, actually. Did it, Did anything spooky happen? Let's see. I, okay, there was one moment where uh, we were getting, we were coming back through the atmosphere, or we were just about to, and there's a point where the trunk separates from the spacecraft to reveal the heat shield that's going to protect you through the, the heat of reentry. And it's the dragon has the claw separation and there's a pyro that fires that disconnects the solar panels from the spacecraft and the, and the radiators. And, you know, we're, we're expecting that to happen after a 15 second count. And so Jared starts to explain this to us for our situational awareness. And just as he's starting to talk about, OK, so in 15 seconds, boom, this big loud bang happens like well, that was a little unexpected, but we are all awake now. <laughs> okay, now give me three specific things. Okay, we all know the 360-degree view of Earth. We got it. It was awe-inspiring. But give me three specific sights or sounds or happenings, good or bad, that awed you. Lightning from the tops of the clouds going over North America at night showed how dynamic weather is to me. I could watch that firework show for hours. Um, seeing the thin green line of the atmosphere um, uh, over 100, just barely above the surface of the earth to, to, to visibly line out where the air stops and the vacuum of space begins, that was uh, moving to me. Um, and then I, I also, remember seeing my crewmates just doing what they loved to do um, in space and seeing all of us get to be ourselves. And so bringing more humans into space, we all got to brought, bring a sense of our own humanity between my music on the ukulele. Jared was enjoying being uh, the commander of control of the, the, the spacecraft. Haley talking to her patients and doing as many somersaults as possible. And then mm -hmm. Dr. Proctor with her watercolor art. Same thing, specific story, something funny, intense, uh, interesting. Give a specific story of a happening up there. Oh, we were on a uh, video call uh, early on and then uh, talking uh, to someone, I think talked to St. Jude patients, and next thing you know, uh, someone asks us if there are aliens in space, and Jared pulls out this alien. He had snuck aboard this <laughs> <laughs> from, from an early movie, and uh, um, and so now we actually have our alien in space. And, uh, <laughs> it was kind of fun. We tethered it to our zero-G indicator, which was the, uh, the a replica of the St. Jude uh, dogs that work as service animals, and so, you know, the alien got to take a dog uh, for a walk in space the entire mission. So upon your return, what was it like to reintegrate for you? 
I tell you what, I mean, you go through this whole life-changing experience and you pray that it wasn't just a one time, a long time ago, I went to space as a footnote to your story. Um, and it hasn't been. It, it is a bit of a challenge to, you know, kind of come back to your day-to-day job and, uh, you know, stop talking about the space stories mm-hmm. for a little bit and focus on the, the, the task at hand. Um, but it's been a good balance between being able to talk to folks like you um, and to talk with students in the classroom um, in, in very different parts of the various different parts of the country. Uh, that's been in, inspiring to them as well as to me. Um, and, uh, you know, just getting back into the swing of things with the family at home. Um, still got a, you know, baby needs a new pair of shoes still, right? So <laughs> that's right. That's, that would be, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. So uh, any regrets? Uh, going through this process, I would have worked um, a little bit more diligently in including my family through much more of it than I was able to um, so that they could be a part of some of the training earlier on and understand where I was, what I was doing uh, more frequently than not. There was a lot of gaps in communication, um, but I would I, that that's the only regret. I would have done that a little bit differently, but uh, I've been constantly updating uh, um, still trying to tell my wife and my kids all the different things that have happened this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, as I even try to remember all of them, as I go through my journal, and uh, review all the different things that have happened. So um, I just would think that beyond that, no regrets whatsoever. It was such an incredible experience that I really hope more people get the opportunity, opportunity to take. Um, I think it's going to be possible one day. I think the price is coming down and the opportunities will grow. So your last question, you've done a ton of interviews about this moment in your life. What is something that you've never been asked? What is? What are some of those things that, uh, that maybe we didn't get to? Well, I, I will say one thing that I, I would have liked to have experienced and uh, and would like to have talked about more is um, what is it like to see um, more of the, the stars at night um, when you're on the dark side of, of opposite side of the sun to, to the night side of the earth? Uh, what's it look like if you uh, turn that giant window back out towards you know the star field? Um, I think I would have liked to explore that a little bit more. Um, but I, I Maybe that's more of a regret and not necessarily <laughs> what have I never been asked. Um, but uh, I, I think there's just so many different things and aspects to tell um, about this whole journey and uh, that uh, there are just so many things to tell. You could mm-hmm. ask me about a specific date and time mm-hmm. and like, yep, ask me about that. Yeah. And I'll tell you about what happened and what was on my mind that day. Sounds like you need to turn your journal into a best-selling book. <laughs> all right, let's make it. I, all right. <laughs> well, Chris, like you are just a pleasure. I, I can see why you got along with the crew. And I thank you so much for sharing this experience with our audience. Um, it was my pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you, Mary. Wow, that was quite a story. But now it's time to go on to our nonprofit spotlight feature that we do at the end of every show. And today we are highlighting the Jandy Ammons Foundation. And this foundation supports nonprofit projects. So if you are a nonprofit 
501c3 charity. They may be able to help you with a shovel-ready standalone project. Um, so good way to come up with the monies that you might need for all kinds of, oh, it's all kinds of different things they support. Um, wild habitats, park settings, educational surroundings. So if you need some money, check them out, the jandyammonsfoundation.org. Well, it's time to high five and say goodbye. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 explore possibilities.